0: Do you know the story of Lilith? In ancient mythology, she's the first wife of Adam, who was kicked out of Eden for being too ravenous for sexy times, too rebellious, too audacious in her belief in equality with God and man. But in every iteration of the myth, Lilith is the first woman scorned, the first woman kicked out of Eden, and she lies in the shadows waiting to tell her story. She has a truth she wants to tell to all those Eves still trapped in that beautiful, claustrophobic Eden. When I first started writing about my divorce, I began to hear from all these Liliths. Emails, DMs, or they pulled me aside at parties. They wanted to tell me the secrets of their lives, their heartbreaks. They had so much wisdom to tell me. So many outrageous betrayals, so many laughing through tears kinds of pains and joys. Welcome to This American Ex-Wife, I'm Liz Lenz, and that's exactly how I met Candace. She and I were both photographed as part of a project called Floral Femme Fatales, where a local photographer took pictures of women in our community and matched their images with song lyrics and flowers. The photographer wanted to, in her own way, highlight the strength and everyday beauty that existed in our own community. So I saw Candace's picture first, which depicted a beautiful woman draped in ropes and fiber with a smile on her face. I found the live version of the model and introduced myself. Girl, we have so much in common, she said. And we began to talk of life, kids, love gone wrong, and marriages ended. I love these connections that women forge simply through our breaking. We can identify one another. Oh, you had a breakdown? Same. Candace's image with ropes and fibers was significant because Candace is an artist and designer. She runs Candice Luter Art and Design, which offers furniture and decor for home and commercial spaces, as well as customized commissions. She is wildly talented. She is the recipient of the 2021 Grand Prize Etsy Design Award. Target named her one of six featured artists during Black History Month. Her work can also be found at Lulu in Georgia, West Down, West Cover, and always on her website, candiceluter.com. Here's Candice Luder.
1: Candice, hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Gosh, I sound like such a catch. I love I, this. You are.
0: <laughs> Did you dream about being married when you were growing
1: up? I feel like when I was younger, I think I had these dreams of this elaborate wedding and all these flower girls and, you know, lots of bridesmaids and all the, and I'm talking like, like elementary school, right? And middle school. And I think at the time I had sort of created in my mind what this Mr. Right would look like, right? And it probably wasn't until maybe I was in college. I had a friend at the time. Should choke her wherever she's at. She said, You should write to your future husband. And I was like totally into this and thought, Yes, I should write letters to my future husband, whoever this guy is. And looking back at it now, I think I created this image in my mind that it was probably not ideal. It was not attainable. And what I thought this Mr. Wright would be, right? He would be patient, he'd be all these things. And so for several years, I would write letters to my future husband. But there was a point after dating for so long that I thought, you know what? I've arrived with myself, right? With my business where I want to go. And I have no desires to be married. That's not something that I feel like I need to complete me. So it really wasn't until I was older. I'm now 39. But I would say probably about 33-ish. I thought, you know what? It might not be in the cards for me. And I'm totally okay with that.
0: You know, that's so funny because I wrote a letter to my future husband and like made a list too. I I wonder, I mean, I don't know if it was like a church thing or what. And I totally remember meeting my now ex and like looking at the list, which I still have up in the attic <laughs> and being like, whoa. Well, doesn't really meet all the qualifications, <laughs> but I was like, but who does, right? Like we can't right. uh, hold standards up. In hindsight, I wish I would have held the bar a yes. little higher, <laughs> but yes. I feel really complicated about those letters, right? Because on the one hand, they idealize this relationship as like the apex perfection of our lives. And that's so unfair to men, first Absolutely. of all, although we're not here, you're fine. You earn more money than us we're not here for we're not here to pat you on the back but um but it does it but it sets the whole relationship up for failure in so many different ways because it idealizes it right like do you think you idealize the relationship even more because of your parents
1: No, my parents had, well, so my, my mom and my dad, um, like got a divorce when I was six months old and my dad was never really in the picture. Right. And then my mom got remarried when I was in about fourth grade. Um, and so like, I wanted a dad like so bad. Right. And he turned out to be just a piece of crap. Um, and so my, you know, thought process around like men and all these things, it was just so jacked up from the start um, that I didn't idealize anyone. Like I had no one to frame a reference of what healthy looked like, what a healthy marriage looks like or and anything, you know, like that. And my mom never really talked to me or navigated with me through relationships and men and what men want and all these things. So as I'm going through life, it's just trial and error of Candace just trying to be loved by anyone who will love her. And so, you know, it really just didn't set me up for success in knowing what was healthy and what was not healthy. But I'm still navigating that, right? <laughs> like, I don't... Yeah, I'm i an adult and I'm still figuring out what's healthy and not healthy. Yeah.
0: I, I, tr- I truly think that that's one of those things that I don't actually think there is a right answer to right. turns out. Um, yeah. Okay. So
1: you said that, so you had a, you had a daughter pretty young. Yes, I had, I got pregnant my um, first year, the summer of going into my second year in college. And I got pregnant, lost my volleyball scholarship and everything like that. And so I had to like move home, kept going to school, graduated from co-college, a private college here. But yeah, I mean, I was a very young mom you know, with, you know, a two-year-old and it was, it was not easy.
0: <laughs> well, and do you think that like doing it alone, cause I, you know, as, as I have been a single mother for a while now, I, sometimes I think it's easier than it was when I was married. But do you think mm. that like doing it alone gave you a sense of independence? Or were you just like, wow, I wish somebody would help me? Oh,
1: I was that mom that was like tired of being tired. I was tired of being broke. I was being poor. And let's be honest, like when I first started out being a mom, like I was on welfare. So, you know, I'm, you know, getting help from the state, you know, her dad is not involved, you know, and, and everything like that. And so I was just tired of struggling. I was tired of my car breaking down and not being able to afford that. And am I getting ripped off by, you know, the car salesman, you know, trying to fix my car and all these things. Like I just wanted, I wanted to be saved and I wanted to be rescued at the time. And I wanted somebody to come in and just take over and just lead me. Like, I will follow. I just can't handle all of these burdens and all of these tasks by myself. And that's a terrible position to be in. (laughs) Like, somebody come and rescue me. Somebody come and, like, take over. Um, you know, and I was just looking for so many things in other people than fighting that all in myself.
0: Yeah, I feel that too. And so often, you know, when I'm like stressed and overwhelmed, and there's always those people who are like, "Wow, don't you wish you had a man to help you out?" And like, I was married for. Do people years. genuinely say that to you? Yes. Yes. And I, and I, um, like, so I was married to a man for 12 years and I was like, I was still stressed out, Yes, you know, and like, didn't have help when I was married to like, at least, at least now it's different. And I didn't, and now I know that there, I can ask friends for help, right? Like I can create community. And I think if I, if I had been going at motherhood, a different way. I think I would not have known that. I think I would be like, "Oh my god, I definitely need a man here to help." Um, you know, and I think our society teaches us that. Like, you know. There's like documents from the state of Iowa that tell mothers on welfare, like if you were
1: married, this would be easier. (laughs) It's not easier. I don't want to, I want to be very careful right here where I use my words. I'm not going to call marriage a chore or a burden, but is it, it's its own job, right? And with every job or something that you take on, it's got its own unspoken rules, responsibilities, like tasks. Like I, when I got married, I even went to it even older, feeling complete as a person and bringing in this other person to my life. I still was naive about so many things and realized like, oh my gosh, this is another full time job. Now, granted you can, you know, break that thing apart and, 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 you know, look at, you know, maybe we're both very unhealthy people, like trying to get married and make this work, but it is another job that I thought I don't, have the time or the energy for this. This is actually making my quality of life like worse. This isn't making my quality of life better. And that is not marriage that was in being aligned with the wrong person and not having healthy boundaries.
0: Well, yes, and, but also to make you feel a little better, there are some studies that show that um, when uh, heterosexual couples get married, it adds eight hours, eight to seven hours more of housework onto the woman. So, oh, I would believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I would so
1: believe that.
0: that like, yeah, like like a husband adds like all this extra and that that's that's theoretically extra housework that he is not
1: doing
0: statistically not doing. Right.
1: And you just don't think about everything else, like being getting married older, which I'm glad that I did. I'm not thinking about you know, checking with somebody before I do things and how I spend my money and how they spend their money. And I know that sounds silly and you can have those conversations, but not until you're in it. You're like, wow, we're really in it. But I have to say like a month after I got married, I was like, something is wrong. So I never changed my last name. We never had joint bank accounts. We never shared any assets. And so I think that saved my butt like tremendously in the end. I'm not saying I would recommend that for everybody, but it definitely helps me <laughs> to keep things somewhat separate.
0: Okay, let's go with that. So what was the, what? Okay, so wait, first, how did you meet? And if we need a pseudonym for ex-husbands, I'm just recommending that people say Kevin, but you can <laughs> say they're all Kevin.
1: Kevin sounds like the worst. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think Kevin yep. is the worst. So it's if you going to tell us, how did you meet Kevin? Yes, I will give you the long and the short of it. And I am so embarrassed and ashamed still when I tell this story. But no it is shame. What it is. This was a COVID relationship. This was. Yes. This was um, somebody that I had been friends with Facebook, you know, for a while. And I used friends loosely. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. Um, but I had seen snippets every once in a while when the algorithms wanted to show me this super attractive, muscular guy with his little girl, you know, and as long as I knew he was with another woman for years. And then I happened to see one day that he was single um, and, you know, things, you know, somebody sends a message, somebody responds, and then it goes from there. And that was literally our first date. The next weekend was when COVID shut down. So I'm thinking this whole time, I'm getting to know somebody inside and out because we're sitting on his couch together every day. We can't go anywhere. No one else is, you know, interrupting our little bubble of love. And I know this guy inside and out and I've dated all the jerks there was to date. This guy is genuine. I know him like, let's jump off. And so it really wasn't long after that he had proposed to me. Now, looking back, he had made some little references of, you know, I think if I hadn't proposed to you then, I think you would eventually broke up with me. And he had made reference to, you know, I don't think you would have put up with my crap or whatever it was. But I want to say we were probably dating maybe a couple of months and then he proposed to me and then we decided to get married that next year. But because of COVID, lo and behold, you know, me miss conservative squeeze a dime. I'm like, Hey, we can get it cheaper this year because nobody's going anywhere. And so we got married that October and we had met like in March. Oh my gosh. Yes. I thought, Oh, this looks so healthy. I mean, because I realized looking back, he wasn't giving me any of the things that I needed but because I'm so go with the flow and I didn't really know what my needs were, I shouldn't be surprised at certain things that came out of that, right?
0: Oh, learning how to ask for what you need in a relationship is one of the hardest things I have ever had mm-hmm. to learn and I think because um, we learn early on if you ask some of us learn early yeah. on that if you ask for what you need you don't get it or people get mad at you that you or you're too much you're too, you're too much, much. yes yeah, mm-hmm. so then you become too much or high maintenance which is a word I do, a phrase I do not like and it, and then you it it becomes really hard to ask for what you need. And I think often that is reinforced because then later as adults, when we do ask for what we need, we are uh, shut down. I, (laughs) Yeah I always absolutely. When I start dating a guy now I ask for what I need Immediately Right off the bat By date number three His agreed, credit like, score <laughs> 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 Listen I, I'm never A background check <laughs> Well I, And I'm a journalist So low key I've already done yeah. that yep. But like yep. um, And I don't care About your credit score Because we're never Mingling our finances But yep yep, um, yep. <laughs> But you know, like when I say, like here, here are my expectations, like here are my boundaries, like with my children, and I also will never get married again. Like the, Ooh, the how, how does
1: what, that go over? Not great. I'm still single. Of... Does <laughs> <laughs> like, do you do this date one, or do you like let them get comfortable I mean, and then you spring it on them? Well, I try.
0: I mean, if it comes up naturally, then yes, right away. But like, I mean, at least
1: by date three, I I say like I like want to make a joke right now. If it comes up naturally, you're like, you know what? I will have the steak medium rare. Speaking of medium rare, so I'm never getting married. <laughs> and I'm never meeting my kids. <laughs> but I, but
0: like to get back to you, I think that like there is no, you know, there are no. Right and wrong. Like, there are no right right rules. And so when you're saying, like, oh, this felt healthy, like, you're old enough. You know that you know who you are. You know what you want. Yes. No,
1: all of my married friends. Well, you know, marriage is work and nobody's perfect and it's give and take and, you know, all these things. And so I'm thinking, oh, OK, well, this guy is a real work in progress. Come to find out. So I guess that's what marriage is. I am ready for it. i <laughs> jump in and do this work. And it's there's a difference between work and dealing with somebody who is not mentally, emotionally um I don't want to use the word stable. Sorry. I just feel like just making jokes. It's not stable. They're just not where you need somebody to be, right? There's a difference between raising somebody and, and working on a relationship with someone. Those are very different things.
0: That is such a important distinction. I think about relationships where like women are expected to raise men, uh, like, like train them and And I'm sorry to be gender essentialist about it, but then women are expected to come fully formed and perfect into these relationships. Like we should already know all these things already have the tools, but you know, he's not perfect. He's got to grow up. Oh, you know, I hate it when, um, when people will tell me, they'll be like, well, you know, my husband and I have been married for so long. And when we first got married, he didn't do all these things. But after I showed him how, I'm like, you wasted how what? many years of your yes. life training a grown man to like load the dishwasher? And I think <laughs> yeah. I, I think the difference is the bar for people is in a relationship versus out of a relationship when my new bar now is... I'm so happy by myself and with my friends. That's my bar. Are you adding to my happiness or are you taking away from my happiness? So the bar for me is not like, oh, sad, I'm going to die alone. We all die alone. Get used to it. Grow up. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yes, I second that. You're right. No, it's so true. Like he always used to say, oh, you're my best friend. And I would say, but you're not mine. Right? Right. And this is the thing I learned after
0: my divorce that like men would be like, well, can we still be friends? And I'd be like, you weren't a friend. Right? You didn't answer my texts. You didn't want to hang out with me. I had to force you to set up dates like my friends like 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 talking to me. My friends will mm-hmm. double text me. My friends want to hang out with me. You were not a friend. Like, right. you know, yep. like, and so if you want to stay friends, you got to be a friend first. And, Agreed. and I just like, I, 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 and I also think like, yes, like, as like, as the female partner, we are expected to then carry like the friendship load and, mm-hmm. and, and, and then, and then all these other, well, we are not also getting our needs met, you know, like, right. It's I, true. I, yeah, it's just like, I'm sorry if like. <laughs> If, like, my internet friend is better at texting me than the person (laughs) I'm married to, then, like, we have some issues here.
1: Absolutely. And I'm actually, like, I'm going to answer... Or ask a question that I'm going to answer, but I also want to hear from you too. Yes, <laughs> welcome to the show. It's about me, Um no, like uh, when Welcome I was to growing... this
0: American ex-wife with Candice Luter. <laughs> Today yes. we're going to be talking to some schlub <laughs> named Liz Lens.
1: Yeah, she's Liz, annoying. Thank you for being here,
0: <laughs> you're welcome, Candice. Hi, yes. I'd love to answer yes. your question. Go for it.
1: But when you were growing up, what did your needs look like? Because for me. I was alone a lot. I was abandoned a lot. Um, I didn't hear anybody praise me. People weren't saying like, oh, you're pretty or what are you into? Or that's a great drawing. Or, oh, like you, you want to be this when you grow up? You know what I mean? And so when you marry somebody who then is very into himself and doesn't give a shit, if I can say that so boldly about my business, my success, whatever, you know, and things like that. I'm thinking, oh, well, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm used to being overlooked. I'm used to people not digging into the details and asking me, did I have a great meeting with this major retailer? But now that I've stepped outside of it, I'm like, that's actually like not normal. Someone should care about what's going on in your day because I care about what's going on in their day. And so my needs, I thought were wants. If somebody would have said, What are your needs? I would have said, Well, actually, I'm pretty good. But if somebody said, well, What are my wants? It would be, Oh, I would like somebody to care about what I care about and da 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 da, you know, and all these things. But those are core foundational things that I didn't know I was missing. So were you raised that way? Um, were your needs met? Because I know you have a lot of siblings. Um, and I can imagine there's just no time to know what Liz needs because there's too many mouths to feed.
0: No, yes. I, um, yes, I'm one of eight children. And um, I, you know, growing up, a lot of people thought I was like one of the quiet ones, which is crazy. if You even have heard me talk (laughs) for two minutes. Um, You know, I was also, you know, playing with my younger siblings and stuff. But I think I learned pretty early on that you, um, you know, if you ask for something, You know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get it. We were pretty economically unstable growing up. So it was boom, bust, boom, bust. My dad was there. Then we disappear. And, um, you know, my mom would be happy one day, sad the next. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'd never know my siblings. And I always had, like, symbols. Like, should we ask mom for something? You know, is it, like, is it okay? Like, and if this is, is a, a day. Good day or is it a day or not? Yeah, <laughs> is it a day we can ask mom for something or is it a day we're going to get screamed at? And, oh, um,
1: that's yeah. That's so tough.
0: And so I think, like, one of the things... You learn or I the the message I took from it was like, be cool, be resilient, mm-hmm. be independent. And then I get like praised for that. Right. Like, oh, you never need to ask for help. Oh, you do so great, like in school all by yourself. Right. Like, mm-hmm. look at you. You're so self-motivated. And then that independence is great and people should be independent. But I think it's also a learned not asking for mm-hmm. what you need and But then
1: it backfires too when you get older because then you're too independent so you're too much <laughs> you're you're not submissive you're not whatever it is.
0: Right, but then I think that's when I just learned like fine uh I I don't care. You know, I don't care how you're interpreting who I am because what I've learned, and I think this is something I learned in therapy was that like, again, I think I said this earlier, but my bar for my relationships is not my worst relationship or my best relationship with a man. My bar for my relationships are my friendships.
1: That's so healthy. In the
0: divorce, I thought I was crazy. Um, and my therapist kept saying, you know, I, because I was like, my ex is saying, like I'm mentally unstable. He's saying I have a Don't thyroid problem. <laughs> yes, they all yep. do. Mm-hmm. And and yep. uh, and so You're I was, all your ex girlfriends were crazy. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> all women are crazy. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It couldn't be you. Who's the common denominator? Right. Right.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> Not yeah, you. Okay. Not you, mm-hmm. the strong silent <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. But the but like she was like. She was like, you don't keep 20-year friendships if you are, you know, an insanely abusive person. Right. She's like, like, lean. And she was like, lean on your friends. Talk to your friends. Mm -hmm. Ask them these things. Ask them, say, have I changed that much over 20 years? Mm -hmm. And so later after the divorce and, you know, I was dating and I was realizing, wait, like, this is the bar, like, this is what community and relationship is, like, this is what it means to be here for each other, and I had to relearn that it wasn't, like, wasn't my parents, who I love, but that was not Mm -hmm. the model, Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't these romantic relationships, it was these core friendships that are now my
1: standard for what works in my life and what doesn't I wish where have you been on my life I wish I would have had you so many years ago because I was the girl that was like well he's better than the last guy so that means I'm doing better at picking well
0: right and then it's our fault because we've picked poorly right like correct well I'm so damaged that I picked poorly I had tell something that my therapist told me one time uh after I had like gotten to like a very chaotic relationship with somebody who I thought was the opposite of my ex but ended up kind of being the same and I was like how did I get here again and she was like I was like what's so wrong with me why am I making the wrong choice and she like paused for this like a really long time and just kind of like closed her eyes and sighed deeply and then said yep. oh honey it's just because you're dating men <laughs> <laughs>
2: So when I was 23, my fiance left me for one of our bridesmaids, which is like a very short way of explaining it. I will say that I have often described that as the best worst thing that happened to me because I was a young queer 23 year old and marriage equality had only actually been a thing in Canada for a few years. And I will say that a lot of wanting to get married at that time was about wanting to live out the dream and the goal of marriage, right? The status quo. That's what you do. You get married, you have 2.5 kids, you have a picket fence (laughs) in your perfect little suburban house And I'm so glad that that did not work out for me, because that is not actually the life that I want, but even as like a queer kid who knew that they were queer at 14, uh, I still absolutely bought into the myth of the romance of what a marriage was supposed to be and what a happy life was supposed to be, and that obviously getting married was a key part of that. So uh, as it turned out, I dodged a bullet there. Okay, so you were
0: having these warning signs kind of early on, but you were being the cool girl, the chill girl, the girl who didn't need those things. But you kind of, like, you trusted your gut. But when did you know it was
1: over? What
0: was the moment
1: everything broke? While we were dating, I do remember one fight. And I was like, oh, we don't fight. Like, we're so great. And the one fight was, like, you don't... um care about anything I care about. Like you, you know, I I did, did some freelance design work for Target, I had some big presentations and he didn't ask anything about it. It wasn't how you're meeting, let me see what your designs are. And I remember saying like, you don't remember and retain anything when it comes to me but you're very much focused on yourself. And you know, that carried off obviously like into our relationship. But I do remember maybe about two weeks before we were gonna get married, I don't remember what the fight was but it was so dramatic. That I remember calling his mom, which was the worst mistake, ladies. She is not your friend. She will throw you under the bus for her son. Like people always watch out for their own, right? I remember her saying, well, you can call it off if you want to. I don't know why he's acting like that. He's never done that before. And then, of course, he had this epiphany of, I called the pastor and he was crying, and, you know, all these things. And I thought, okay, fine. But then 30, you know, 30 days into the marriage, I thought something is off and you know me having been in previous not great relationships I know how to dig in a phone okay guys (laughs) I don't know what anybody else's rules are about like oh you can trust me I was just telling somebody the other day it's this false sense of security here's my code babe you can get in my phone whenever you want men if you're listening she is going to look if they're anything like me I'm getting in that phone. So don't give me the code to get in there if you're hiding things, because I will find it. And I know how to find stuff that you think that you've erased. I will find it. So you get this false sense of security and I'm looking and I'm looking at this guy's phone and it's like, whoa, he's lying about this. He's lying about that. There's all these things that I'm seeing and I am struggling financially to take care of us. Now, I was the quote breadwinner, but I would have taken care of us. I mean, that guy could have wrote on my coattails all day long, but I see that he's buying these inappropriate things and tipping women on these inappropriate sites. And I'm thinking I could use that money. Like I'll shake my booty for $10. Like I'm struggling. I'm not asking you for any money. And I'm like seeing this side of him that he pretended wasn't there. Right. Like, It wasn't just one woman a year and a half later that I saw at a motel, right? It's the random woman's shoe that I find in the backseat of the car. That's a size six. That's not me or my daughters, right? It's all these things that just don't add up, but I'm crazy. He wasn't really flirting with that client, you know, and all these things. And I am just like, what is going on? Who did I marry? And so long story short, Things just started to come out and I'm seeing the side of him that I didn't know was there all the while. He's becoming a lot more controlling. He's going through my stuff, right, to try to like put something on me. And we're having stupid arguments about food and somebody commenting on my Facebook, right, all while he's doing all these other things behind my back. Um, and so that really was just, our, our relationship was doomed from the beginning because it was just built on lies that I didn't know existed. I mean, I put it all out there, bad, good, and different. You know, I told our pastor during premarital counseling, you know, he knew everything there was to know. And there was this whole secret side of him that I didn't know existed. All while, you know, he's confiding in people like his mom, who he said was his best friend, should have saw that coming and all of these things. And it was just completely isolating. And I was so embarrassed, right? Because people were like, oh, you got married too fast that I did not want to admit that I made a mistake. So I isolated myself and I was not telling anybody what was going on. I was covering for him. Then after a while, his jealousy was so bad, I couldn't hang out with my friends because we would fight. And over time, it just became this controlling, isolating nightmare where I just stayed in the house. I stopped responding to people. It was very oppressive. It was depressing. I was feeling suicidal. It was just horrible. It was just horrible so leading up to catching him at a motel i remember calling my girlfriend that morning at five o'clock and i said he just did me a favor right because it's the boundary line you keep thinking well if he does this and i'll leave if he does this if i find something in his phone this time then it's really over and it's never really over right you keep staying because i told my friend the other day i wanted to believe the lies i almost would rather have be- believed that i was crazy and he was telling the truth, and I was just making stuff up for my insecurities than it was to believe that somebody that I truly loved was doing these things to me. And that's the messed up truth of it all.
0: I, um... I think that that is so common, the covering for things because you're embarrassed or you think that it's still going to work out and you don't want to, you know, like if you tell your friends what he's actually doing, they'll be like, run, run, run.
1: Yes, you know. So he had, we had had fights in the past where he said, oh, I'm going to go stay at a hotel and whether or not he was there or somewhere else, I mean, who knows? Um, but I saw he wasn't coming home, wasn't coming home. And then I thought, okay, well, you know, we haven't really been getting along the last two weeks. And I was upset over, you know, some successful opportunity I had that he had completely sabotaged. Um, and so I thought, well, at two o'clock, he'll probably come home because that's when the bars closed, right? Well, he didn't come home, didn't come home. And at this point, like, because he's never done this before, I thought, is he okay? Did he get in a car accident? What's going on? Like, I'm still trying to give him the benefit of a doubt in my mind. And then because I'm a super sleuth. I figured out how to get into his uh, Gmail account from my phone. And then I'm like, location services, what's this? And I start to look at his location services and I see, oh, he was at this bar 20 minutes out of town, starting at this time to this time. And wait a minute, he went to this motel right next door from this time. And wait, it says he's still there. Girl, it took me like two seconds and I was in the car. I don't even know what I had on. It was probably my pajamas. And I never drove so fast down the interstate towards this motel. It was like, I like teleported. Okay. <laughs> like I was not there. And then I was there and I'm like driving around the parking lot and I don't see his car. And I'm telling you, like, I would, I don't have enemies, but I would not wish this on the person that I dislike the least. It is a horrible feeling. And I'm driving around and I don't see his car. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? But you know, Google, it doesn't lie. Right. (laughs) And it says he's still here. So I go in this dodgy motel to this guy and it's like five in the morning. And I have called him a bazillion times. He's not picking up the phone, nothing. And I said, Hey, this is going to sound ridiculous. This is the craziest thing I've ever said, but I'm pretty sure my husband's in here having an affair. And he goes, Oh my God. And I go, no, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, um, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like concerned for his feelings, right? Because he feels terrible. And I was like, um, does this guy look familiar? You know, and I pull up his face on Facebook, you know, and he's like, well, that time you're describing, I wasn't working the front desk. It was actually my daughter. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, I can't, I know I go, I go you legally can't tell me like if he's here, but, and he was like, no, but hold on. And he's like digging around in his computer. Right. And he goes, all I can say is at that specific time, a woman checked in. And I was like, that's all I need to know. Thank you. I will wait in the parking lot. And so I go in the parking lot and I kept calling and calling and I swear within 10 minutes, they came out. When I tell you When I read articles about women that were like, I completely blacked out and I don't know what happened after that. I get it. I just remember throwing my phone down in the car before, you know what I was out of the car and I was screaming, you know, all kinds of horrible things and swear words and calling her this and calling him that. And I'm like swinging on him like I've never been in a fight or anything like I was just all of the emotion like out there and he immediately like starts curling up in like a standing fetal <laughs> position. It was so embarrassing for him, right? And he's like, you haven't been talking to me for two weeks. Wait, what? No apology. No nothing. And it's his reason is, you haven't been talking to me for two weeks. All while this woman is looking at me and she's smiling and she says to me, do I even know you? Yeah, Liz, Yeah. Well, fast forward a couple of days and I'm like, who is this chick? I look, she had friend requested me 2 weeks <laughs> before that on Facebook. You know who I am. Yeah, Facebook, is so, Facebook it's is so messy. Facebook is so messy. So messy, so messy. So your friend requested me 2 weeks before. You and my husband at the time had probably linked up several times, right? But you know, he acts like, "Oh, this is the first time it's happened." I didn't know what we were going to do when we went there. But then he tells me later, when I catch him in a small moment of honesty and truth, he admits to me that he was deleting the text messages on the way out to meet her at the bar. You've told me everything I already know. Like, as a woman, my intuition says, you've hidden things from me before. You were deleting the tracks, which is exactly what you were doing. You know, like, and you're just thinking, he said to me, if you had not caught me, I probably never would have told you. Oh, I know you wouldn't have.
0: (laughs) Um, so many people don't get that catharsis, right? You, you live in your head. And I really identify with the, um, with the, like the technology spying again, I'm not like advocating it as a way for, of life, but I think when you're in a space when you feel isolated from your friends, you feel like you can't talk about what's honestly happening in your life because it will ruin everything. And I think right. there's a gut level where we know if I say this, everything falls apart. And You still want to hold it back mm-hmm. together. You still want to fix it. And so you're isolated and you're being told by the person who says that they love you most in the world, that you're crazy, you're making things up. It, it becomes, and, and you know, I my ex. In, cheat on me that I know of, and I don't think he did. Like, the, so I'm not trying to draw those parallels. But I am saying it, it, it does become this crazy making space where you look for things that will make you feel more solid, more connected to what's happening. And, um, you know, I uh, <laughs> I did that. I I got on my my then husband's computer. I was looking at his Google searches and it was like, you know, we would have these conversations where, you know, he'd be like, It's fine. We're gonna be fine. I'm so, so you sorry. Him, no, I we confines. we would just be talking. We'd be talking about maybe a fight we had. And he was really insistent that like Maybe I give up writing as a career. Um, He was insistent that, like, you know, my my work was tearing us apart. And oh gosh, yeah. And then and that made you know. How dare (laughs) you use
1: your (laughs) voiceless?
0: And so then I would say like, oh my god, this is everything. I've worked for our whole lives together. And then we'd have like a fight. He'd be like, I'm so sorry. Like I don't. And then Mm -hmm. and then I go look on his computer at night, and he'd be like Google searching, like. How can I make my wife quit her job?
1: Like Stop literally. it! Like I was so scared right now. I had no idea I was gonna come in your mouth. Like, I'm well, so scared. There were Are other you things. Right yes. There were other things too.
0: Like, you know, he would be like, You're crazy. And he's like, You you must you your your family has a history of mental illness, so you oh, must be mentally ill. And I'm like, Well, I'm in therapy and I see my doctor and I talk to my doctor. Yes. And I'd be like, and like like, I brought her your concerns and I did. And then, I, then I'd then i like, at night after we had this big conversation, I'd like sneak downstairs and look at Google and it'd be like, <laughs> my wife is crazy, <laughs> thyroid problem. Like, and I just be like, stop. And, and I just be like, I can't, I, I, like, we had this conversation. I thought we solved it. And then, and so I, I again, I don't, I think it's a very common thing to do when you feel lost and afraid and you're looking for everything to go on. But, like, I love that you got that moment of validation because so few of us do. And um, and one woman I talked to for my book confronted her now ex with, like, um, dick pics he had been sending
1: you know, uh-huh. and, she, and he
0: was like, nope, I was hacked. He never admitted
1: to it. Oh, and so. Yeah, yep. I've been there too. Yeah, oh, so, I was like, hacked. <laughs> oh, it was whatever. And I'm like, and then That's the girls come I'm out of the woodwork <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that pick? Oh yeah, I have that pick too. Oh, we know the same pick. Like, okay. But I do, but I do, what I love about your story is you
0: got, you, at least for a little moment, for one moment, you got that validation and that catharsis.
1: How did yes, it feel? Yes, if I had not driven out there, Liz- I probably would still be in that horrible marriage wishing that, you know what? One of us is just going to have to not wake up the next day because I just don't know how to get out of this. I feel stuck. I feel horrible. I don't want to be here. But weirdly, I don't want to let him go. It was like this weird attachment. You know, even after breaking up the marriage, it felt like this, like I was coming off of a drug. It was so bad. But he was making me feel so crazy in my head. And I look back at it and think, how dare you, any man, anyone, To make a person question the fairy fabric of reality. Like it's borderline, like by a hair, you're making me feel like I am losing my mind and I need to be committed to the hospital or you are really cheating on me. And I know what I'm talking about. Like you are making like, just like that Liz, like you're crazy. It's got to be your thyroid. It's whatever. And you would think that somebody I love would really never do this to me. So I must be crazy. Like I literally for a while thought I am losing my mind and it's me. But your
0: marriage didn't end right then at that moment, right, you
1: guys? No, <laughs> no. sure, sure did not I mean, I thought, gosh, if he cheated on me, that's it. But it sure didn't. Um, it was the the love bombing with the, I'm sorry, I love you. If this has only happened once. It will never happen again to, well, if you want to know where I'm at, then you need to let me back in the house. Like almost like, oh, okay, you, you can't trust me. So in order for you to trust me, you should let me back in the house so that you know that you can trust me. Like it was like, it got put on me. Like it was my issue. And this is the first time I've actually admitted this. I almost felt like I almost had to sex him back to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was horrible. It was a horrible psychological thing that I don't know if a lot of women, they probably would understand where I felt like I almost had to win him back from this other woman but then when we would get intimate, I would start bawling. Yeah. It was horrible. Like I was so tortured and I would have nightmares every night. Like it was, it was horrible. But I agreed to go to therapy, to marriage counseling, which by the way, we'd already been to two or three counselors beforehand. And of course he found something wrong with every one of them. And I decided to go to counseling. And after about six months, I just said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here during these therapy sessions and fight about chips Or if my daughter is mowing the lawn or not mowing the lawn, like I would like to sit here and talk about the crux of our marriage, the foundational things that we do not have that builds a marriage and the fact that he was cheating on me and doing all these other things. Right. And we just could never get there because he would come in with something that he wanted to talk about that day, which was completely irrelevant. I just said, I'm done. I'm done with this
0: yeah and i and i' don't, and I don't think you should feel ashamed about the sexing back thing. I think you know like historically like marriage advice for women is always like, well, what are you doing to make yourself attractive well what are you doing to make him feel wanted like if you want to fix this and 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 i I had this memory of I was talking to a a neighbor uh about maybe maybe I'm having some problems with my marriage and she's like oh I got this handout at my church like because I'm also having problems with my marriage and she's like look at what it says and she was very much not into it but you know she was like look at this crazy handout because she's like I went to my pastor for guidance because I'm very frustrated and look at this thing he gave me And literally out of her pocket she pulls a blue piece of paper and number one at the top it's like Are you making him feel loved and wanted? How's your sex
1: life? Are you saying yes to him when he. This makes me so uh, angry. This makes me so angry that women are getting taught that if there's a problem with your husband, you are not doing something.
0: right. Well, and I, I even did. And this is the, I put, I put this in the book, so it's, it's going to be in the world. But like, I literally, for the last year of our marriage, I did a lingerie of the month club wait what yeah so that I could like (laughs) so I could have something new every month to like you know and it was his idea and I was like and I was like (laughs) okay but that thing that you are talking about where you're like you're really trying hard and you're putting your literal whole self into it and your needs aren't being met like like not emotionally physically or sexually and then, and then I I had this like I had this real moment of breaking, where I I just like sobbed one night after Laundry of the Month Club, and I was like, mm-hmm. I can't, Sorry, I can't, don't do make me laugh. It's no, not funny. no, it's just the way you said it. No, but, it's lingerie of the Month Club. This. It's so bad. It's, <laughs> it's, and, the, it's and, and by the way, the lingerie was so cheap and itchy. <laughs> And I, like, I am also, like, a mother. Like, I've had two children. Like, my body right. would, would, like, you know, like, do these <laughs> weird roly-poly it's just things. settling in places. And, just, like, and I'm just, place. like, literally, if I just, like, I'd rather just be naked. Bounce. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? I and, and I can't, like, and I'm not, like, I'm not, um. I do. I don't find my power through lingerie, by the way. Right. So, which I know a lot of women do, and that's incredible. It's a great way to find, like, I have so like
1: many questions.
0: heal heal <laughs> your relationship to your body. Yeah. But like me, I'm such a putz. I'm like, I don't wanna like do this garter so it's like i'm like 20 minutes upstairs like trying to like put on a stocking and then i don't even i don't even get an orgasm out of it and then so
1: lame lame (laughs) everyone loses it's horrible no well he won but it's just like yeah But I think you got what you wanted. I feel demoralized (laughs) over here. Right. But this is this is one of the reasons
0: I want to do this podcast, because I think we have these stories that we don't talk about. But Mm -hmm. when we do, we realize, you know, that that we're not alone, that this is a problem and it's not us. problem. It's a system problem. And it doesn't come from our brains. It comes from. Everyone in the world conspiring to tell us this is how you behave. This is how you act. Yes. Don't ask for what mm-hmm. you need. If you ask for what you need, a man will reject you. You give to him. Yep. And and it's it sounds like these antiquated things, but they're it's so still present. There. It's still present. Yep. It's there in every
1: aspect of yes, everybody's life.
0: And oh it's not gosh. even just
1: stuff that we're hearing. It's also been drilled down, I think, somehow subconsciously into the men as well, too.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there are these crazy statistics that are, you know, just like if <laughs> there's a study out of Australia that really bothers me. That's like if a woman out earns her husband, she's 30 percent more likely to be a victim of domestic violence.
1: Really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Very so
0: I and that is, you know, that's a different country. Um, And mm-hmm. yet still. Still, yeah. we have these things that are, you know, that we believe about gender and about relationships that I wish we would stop because it's hurting everybody.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah. wow that's fascinating
0: i know isn't that upsetting
1: i'm more upset that i didn't know about laundry in the month
0: <laughs> i know not candace just wants to do laundry of the month club for herself <laughs> Yeah. okay but okay so i'll tell you this when i did laundry of the month club we had two choices like there was like okay this, and this was I, yeah, I've been divorced for six years now. Um, yep, yeah,
1: Lord. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank That's you. what we should be saying to our friends and girlfriends when they break up or get a divorce. Congratulations. Good for you. Yep.
0: But um, we had like a couple choices and there was like one that was like more expensive and then there was one that so was not like, go that route no yep. no we did not, <laughs> nope, nope, we did not. Nope, nope. and uh we went with the cheaper route and i um and it was it, i mean you know eventually you know the underwires are like poking out oh, yeah, and the, yeah it was we, itchy it was it, so, it was like, so itchy and it's like itchy normally like i don't know <laughs> So tired. I don't even want to it's put on underwear. Right? Yes, and it's I a performance. Know. It's
1: performing. <laughs> you're not performing for me, so I'm mad and you're a bad wife. You are not performing right. the way that they expect you to. And sometimes, if it's anything like me, I didn't know what would trigger him and wouldn't wouldn't would would or wouldn't trigger him from one day to the next. So I'm just trying to perform and walk on eggshells, right? It's kind of like your mom. Is today a good day? Is today not a bad day? Like I could tell the moment he walked in the house what kind of day it was going to be and what to say or not to say or what to hide or not. You know what I mean? Like it was bad. It was so bad. I,
0: I, I, one, one thing I love that you have talked to me about is the way that you're reclaiming um, your art, your life, your business. um, And the work that you do is I think really demonstrates a lot of your personality of course because it's art but um, I think in ways people don't realize and I want you to talk about how you are finding more freedom of expression um, and in like your hopes for the future now that you've kind of you're coming out of this this situation yeah. you're healing, <laughs> but it's also about like who you are and how you operate in the world.
1: It's been interesting being an artist because I think before I was designing and making things that were aesthetically pleasing, but there was no real motive meaning behind it. And, and I don't think there, there always has to be, but I will say coming out of this, the only thing that I had to me was my two hands and what I could express. And so sometimes one of the things that I've done, and I will be talking about this on social media is I got like a big canvas and I'm not a painter and I would do, um, I think it's called asemic journaling. You would probably know about this more than I would. Um, But it's a term that I picked up um, from a class that I took where you just start writing anything that comes to your head. And so for me on this canvas, it was why, why would he do this to me? I hurt, you know, I'm so disappointed. And I would write all these words on a canvas. And then, because I do feel like there's a point where when you're supposed to heal, right, you're supposed to try to forget all these things that happen, but they still live in your mind. They live, you know, when you're dreaming, you know what I mean? And all these things. And so I wanted to give voice to it, but without giving power to it. And so then I would take another medium and let the words kind of drip down. And so that the words would kind of blur. And then I would like paint over it and I would just play music several nights. And I would just do this over and over and over until I felt like I processed whatever I was feeling. And, and it was just really me more making first contact with myself. And what does she have to say? How is she feeling? Because I couldn't even articulate. I couldn't even talk to myself. It was like the wind got knocked out of me. And that I feel like is where I feel in my gut. I'm called to be going into that. Um, as far as artwork is concerned. And it's really been helping me therapeutically um, in what I've been designing to really bring me into it because it was Candace Luter Art and Interiors, but who was Candace Luter on the daily? And really they are one and the same. And I think they should be. And so I think I've talked to you before, like, I don't want to be messy. And one day you said, but life is just messy. And so I've struggled with how do I tell my story through artwork, without being like, girl, I saw him at a motel and blah, 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 you know, but maybe there's some days that you just talk like that. Right. And so I think doing it through artwork and talking about finding myself and finding my voice and, you know, the things that I've been through that only the walls in my house, you know, know that a lot of people don't know that, that I'm giving voice to those things, but again, taking my power back.
0: Well, I love that idea of like, you know, if, if these walls could talk, right. Because, um, There is this, there's this idea that like, oh, the home is where you're safe. The home is a woman's sphere. But it's also like statistically, if a woman is going to get murdered, it happens by, uh, it's it's her intimate partner. If a woman is going to get hurt. It happens in the home. If a child is gonna get hurt, it's most likely happening in the home. If a child is gonna get kidnapped, by the way, statistically it's a yes. family member, it's, it's not a stranger you know. it's yeah. a people you know. And so so there's this idea that our homes should be these safe spaces, and, and what happens is they actually just become these containers of our pain and our secrets. Yes. And so yeah. I loved when you were describing your art that about like what do the walls see and what do they here and what do they absorb one thing I love about my life now is that I have a new house and that I can yeah and that I can like make it my space and I actually feel safe here like I don't sit in the driveway looking at my phone you know (laughs) delaying going inside I actually just want to get inside I want to be there and so I do think that like you know, the domestic space, uh, for women is important and 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 so much of our pain only gets witnessed by walls, you know, so
1: true. I mean, I even had, I have a very small bungalow and I had to even switch bedrooms and I even went to this new bedroom and thought, gosh, this feels so much more peaceful in here that and then, you know, my nightmares started going away. And I will say my nightmares, we've been divorced since September, right? So almost a year I was still having nightmares even until a week ago, every single night. And it really wasn't until I moved in this new room that things started to subside. I started to feel more peaceful. I started to feel better. And you're right. Like, this should be the place that you feel safe. And I didn't feel safe here. I was always trying to lock myself in my bedroom or lock myself away from the arguments, from the fights, from everything. And I just couldn't get away, but then I had nowhere to go. And that's what I hear from a lot of women that when they get in fights with their husbands, where am I going to go? I have nowhere to go, right? Come to my patio. I'll, I'll get all the wine. Like, but women Come to don't have Cedar Rapids, to Iowa. <laughs> so, yes.
0: We will make, we will make Cedar Rapids the refuge for messy divorce yes. women everywhere. <laughs>
1: Yes, let's make this the safe haven. You come here, we got you. The
0: yes. housing is affordable. The Wi-Fi is oh. fine. It's fine. It's good enough to get your job done. Uh, but but Candace and I are here. We both have great porches, and
1: I do do wine delivery. So yeah, she gave me <laughs> wine just earlier today, and said I left you a little gift on the porch, and I'm like, it wasn't just wine, you guys. It was cold, chilled wine delivered to my house.
0: From the code.
1: That is a woman who knows, right there. Someone who knows.
0: And Candace, uh, where can people find your art and all these beautiful mirrors, which by the time this podcast comes out, will be out. Uh so tell everybody how to find you.
1: Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. It's my first and last name, Candice Luter, or you can go to my website www.candiceluder.com. I'm always open to trying new things. You know, if there's something that you envision, you want to do a destroy your wedding dress. I'm still waiting to destroy mine. Like whatever you want to do, let's dream something together. Like I am here for you. I'm in your corner. Um, But yeah, I, I just feel like it's necessary. You know, it's time for, for us women to start talking together. I mean, I know we're healing individually, but this can be a community sort of outreach um, you know, Liz and here, Liz and I are here to be your community. Um, you know, I know she's got her laundry of the month club. I'm not a part of that, but <laughs> <laughs> buy my book, actually. Don't buy yes! laundry of the month yes. club.
0: Please buy this American ex-wife by Liz. I can't Lenz. Wait. Buy it, buy it. Um, that that will be the beginning of our community yes. and our conversations. But it is so necessary. Kidd what are you are you dating? Are you dating? Heck
1: no No I do not want to date I don't want to get married again I don't want to do anything And maybe that will change Let me tell you If that ever changes You should know that he is ugly But he has a lot of money
0: So if you see Candace out about Mm -hmm. Keep your mouth shut You know what it is You know what it is Keep your mouth shut This American Ex-Wife Is a podcast Created by me And Zachary Oren Smith who was really the voice of the patriarchy here. I mean, he really told me to be quiet a lot, told me how to be be softer, more gentler, to shut up more. And because I've literally never had a man ever say that to me, ever in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you so much for all your help with this project. Um, if you get canceled, it's because of your work here on this podcast. All right, for the rest of you, if you like what you heard, you can buy my book, This American Ex-Wife, which will be published on February 20th, 2024. Pre-orders really help determine the success of a book. So pre-order it through your local bookstore, bookshop.org, or wherever books are sold. Thank you so much. And I would like to recite a line from the Psalms, Psalms 227, verse 16. May the dresses we burn light the way.
2: I think these are getting.